Sources of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones. This is Tribune Sports Radio. At least it was online. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey. How you guys doing? Wait, is this for real? Yeah, we're starting now. Wait. We're podcasting today? Might as well. It only took me uh, 35 minutes to actually put this together. Uh, I don't know what the hell. So much for that uh, opening intro that I had last week. Like, I got the sound all totally dialed in. We're going to get this right. We're going to do this yeah. proper. And instead, everything is a pretty much a hot mess. But anyway, welcome to uh, Tribune Sports Radio. I'm your host, Ben Raskin. And today, we've got our buddies, Kevin Winter-Morris, uh, Chris Camrani, and uh, Matt Piper. Hello. Hey, so. I always get a laugh from Chris when I do the hello. Like, <laughs> Howdy. It's fun. No, it was fun last week. Is that uh, Tony Jones? He's so good at this kind of medium. He actually was talking to the audience instead of talking to us, and so it made you know. How many wows did he drop? Wow. Not too many. many. No, he he was a little reserved, you know. Uh, But we did. I think the fun part of the show, if you haven't listened to it, it was uh, last week's uh, episode twenty-two. Is that we did a quick hit with him, and uh, boy, he's got opinions. He's got opinions left, right, and center. Should do quick hits with with us. Matt and I have opinions. Well, that's okay. no, yeah. You don't. just don't share them, <laughs> we right? Don't. Yeah, you're like, yeah, uh, I like my burger medium rare. Okay, medium well. Medium well. That hey. is a great point. No. that Tony actually thinks that we have an audience because I, I, yeah, that <laughs> has never to occurred audience. to me. You know, yeah. I just sit in here and, and I try to keep my you know opinion slightly more PC than I would when the microphones are off. But yeah. that's 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 about the only thought I put into it. Well, uh, having more opinions now, uh, what's the last week been like without having uh, to cover practices? Uh, it's been great. More time at home? <laughs> no, you know, it's only the last 20 minutes of practice, and I still have to be there mm-hmm. for when interviews start. And practice often ends early, so I'm not really gaining any time. I'm just sitting behind sort of a black tarp watching the rest of the media like a kid in timeout, you know. <laughs> uh, like I, I got to wear the – Which is where you belong. <laughs> to be fair, which is where you belong. Which is where I belong. Yeah, so I, I'm not actually gaining anything. Uh, except some some reflective quiet time uh, with with whistles kind of so so do you I mean do you make a statement and like turn your back to the field or are you peeking through the fence to be like ooh just for a second just to see what's going on I really don't I don't care that much what's going on I mean like it, the whole point of this was if they if they're not going to let us report on what we see then what's the point of seeing it and you know we sort of we sort of talked a little bit to be honest about the idea of maybe just continuing to see it and when we felt like it just violating the policy right but that felt like the wrong thing to do to everybody else who still feels there's value in seeing it uh i'm not i i kind of feel like i have a pretty good grasp of what's going on I, you know without seeing practice i i feel like i know that kevin carter is not likely to play this week. yeah uh, last week i felt pretty darn confident that Kendall Thompson was going to be the, the starter. So I guess you can feel pretty confident. You felt confident that Wilson was going to be the guy. If, if, if Whittingham announced Wilson as a starter and then he's been having uh, Wilson play with the twos just to sort of screw me, oh. not having shown <laughs> practice, then that's great. Good for him, you know? I, you know what? If he cares that much about That would be me, awesome. Would if be Kyle awesome. was yeah. thinking that much ahead, how yeah. can <laughs> I stick it it's to Kansas the Salt City Lake Shuffle. Tribune? So you look one way, you turn the other way, something bad happens. We didn't get any of that with Tony Jones. No Kansas City yeah, shuffles. No, Tony Jones, there's been roadblocks in conversations. <laughs> 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 yeah. Man, I, uh, 
I can't even imagine trying to live up to like Tony's standard. Like if you put Matt, myself, Aaron, Kyle Coon, like we like combined the whole sports staff, we couldn't deliver the way Tony would in like twenty minutes. Yeah. Over like an hour. We could we could like throw our best jokes, but people would just be like all right, they would fast forward on their iPhone, you know, like to see all the numbers move, and then be, and then hear Tony laughing or something. They, all right, this is where I want to listen now. Yeah. With USC, we're playing. We're hosting USC on Saturday, and I'm kind of excited about this. I did a little research. I don't know. I know you just great research, but there's recent scouting trails thinking that Utah might be going to Pac-12. Who's this we? Okay, no, no, you can't use the we. You didn't go. You didn't go to Utah. No. You went to. It's the proverbial we. Uh, I, I didn't go to Utah. Kamrani, you did. Uh, and actually, count. you did too, Piper. So you should actually say you guys when addressing those two. Please don't. Please don't. So Please you guys host USC. Football team is us guys. No, I mean, and if we were theoretically on the football team, Matt and I would be standing on the sidelines on the other side of the black tarp watching Tom Hackett yeah. kick, a, <laughs> kick a ball and, and like, trying to be like, okay, he held it this way, so we're going to try to kick it this way this time. So you'd be a kicker? Oh, I would absolutely be a punter. If I ever have children, I'm going to teach them to punt. I feel the same way. Absolutely. Same way. No. And the thing is, if, you're, if you guys are uh, on the slender side, like me and Kev have sided like this, I think you'd be a long snapper. Absolutely. Long absolutely. Snapper. Long snapper, you have a chance of getting a concussion and getting a head injury. Always. Right. Because you're 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 looking up and there's someone trying to hurt you, your punter you're like punter's ten the best. yards away. The then you, you have, have to run down the con- field. You have control. No. When the punter has the ball, it's like a quarterback. No one has control of the situation like a punter does. Mm-hmm. No, I just think, but you know, yes, there's, it's a contact sport. You're gonna get there. But just think about all your data being brought out. Every fourth play, pop traps. You know, you snap to the punter, snap to uh, you know, going for a field goal. Right. But, but right. there's a mush. There's a chance you get rolled up on, break your femur. Come on, man. What? You're the punter. You're, you're so here's the thing. You're, you're the punter. You're, no, 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 no. no. You're the the Listen, you're the punter. You, you grow up playing soccer, so you know that if any contact happens, you kind of kick your heels back and you maybe grab at your calf. <laughs> and, and the ref pulls out the yellow card to the guy who rushed you, and then you get an automatic 5- or 15-yard penalty, and, and you move on and you did your job. Punter forever if you if you start punting at the age of six there's <laughs> no reason why you can't get a a college scholarship and b potentially play in the nfl one I day agree. 100%. I agree. Uh, that part i do agree with it's like if you know uh if you're thinking about having to pay for college for your kids and stuff like that get them into that sport and then not for the, uh, the idea of them jumping to the nfl but mostly just like hey four years yeah. you're getting a great education and not and not saying college, and not saying punting is easy by any means but punting, even like psychologically compared to a field goal, like if you're Andy Phillips and you know you have to kick this field goal at the Rose Bowl and make it or else your team loses after playing this amazing game, you're never going to forgive yourself. Whereas a punter, I feel like you guys can correct me if you feel differently. If you like hit like a 35 yard punt instead of a 45 yard punt, you feel like, all right, the defense is going to pick me up. You know what I mean? OK, although I, I covered uh, a game at Timview. A I'm week a ago, you know me. A kid had a one-yard punt. I mean, come on. 
Although you, if he had been started early enough, and he'd been if he had started at six, yeah, exactly. all that kind of stuff. You you could be the you could do the Sean Landetta too, the, just a single bar face mask. Oh, absolutely. You you, like you could fit like both. You could like double punch someone through that. Fa- <laughs> like you could fit both fists through that face mask, and definitely, I mean that was ridiculous. Yeah. I I think that I I'm still going with the long snapper. Because the punter still has to try to tackle the guy who's trying to return the punt for a touchdown. Nah. The the long snapper man, he's nowhere near the play. Didn't Hackett have a pretty big hit in one that of That was Andy Phillips. Oh, was it Andy against you? Hackett last year against Oregon uh, had this, this return coming back his way. It would have gone for a touchdown, but it was called back for some kind of holding penalty. And he tells a pretty funny story of trying to square this guy up and make an Australian rules football arm tackle. <laughs> it's apparently illegal in Australian rules football to just go send your head at somebody's kneecap. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's the same thing like rugby. You have to wrap. Your yeah. Head <laughs> and, and he he actually, probably the most American word I've ever heard him use, he said he got trucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair, see, and that and you want that life for yourself as a punter. No, for my, for my potential... Offspring, offspring one day perhaps i mean i don't know i'm just trying to think of ways to a build their confidence i mean because this is what this podcast is about is talking about potential children in the far distant future maybe <laughs> maybe punting <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe pun, maybe punting a football the todd marinovich of uh yeah, yeah of punting punters <laughs> so tra- i mean are we going to transition back to Okay, so you want me, you want me to keep going on? Well, I, I just always, and I, I've had this feeling since, you know, I started really watching football is that, you know, I, I feel like punters are cool. They're almost like the hipsters of football. If there was a hipster. You're hanging out, you are hanging a, out with the wrong people. If there's a hipster on a football team full of, like, these huge, scary people, it's the punter. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're still really good at what they do because they wouldn't be doing it if they if they weren't on the team yeah, and I mean, they weren't successful. Absolutely. And it is impressive to me that they're almost like quarterbacks in that everyone is trying to hurt them at once, but they still get the job done. They decide when the play starts. That's kind of cool. Exactly. And here's the thing. Nobody at home, none of the the casual viewers are impressed by a punter. But if you're applying for a job and you get to put on your resume was a Division I punter for Utah State, that's pretty cool. That gives you the second interview. That's pretty cool. Everyone wants to at least meet you yeah. and see if the stereotypes are true or whatever. And then on that point, too, you know, what Chris said, I, I, I don't know if, if punters are, are really always hipsters, but they are probably the more normal guys on the team. It's always <laughs> been this, this sort of idea that the kicker and the punter are weird, but this In is fact. something Tom Hackett was talking about the other day. <laughs> really, like, they're the normal guys. The other guys are the ones who've been lifting weights from 5 a.m. to to midnight, you know, every day since they were 12. Well, you know, to Chris Coon, you didn't think he didn't come out of the defensive line. I mean, he's got a uh, punter's mentality, you know. I want a punter's mentality. I think it. I think it's cool. It's almost more akin to almost like a baseball player because it's all routine. It's like uh, it's almost the element of superstition, like you have to your up Except much less competitive. And apologies to Tom Hackett, who is one of the best at this. There's nobody, no doubting Tom Hackett's athletic ability, but I do not believe that if you practiced your whole life and set your sights on it, that it would be that hard to be Dixie State's punter. You know? Wow. 
You just sold the Dixie State I punter can, under I, the bus. I, I, if he's listening right now, you know. Give first, me, give thank me a you. Few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks to our first listener, the Dixie State punter. Uh, to that seventh grader in Southern Utah listening to this, just make sure you watch how the game is evolving. Watch Tom Hackett. That that's my only advice. See, he, he kicked the ball away from the. From I, I don't think anyone can do what he does. And I can't. I can't actually. I'm. I. What do I weigh? You know, 113 pounds. Yeah. Uh, I can actually punt the ball pretty decently. Yeah. I can't throw a ball. I can't catch a ball. But you grew up playing uh, soccer I, I too. I can't hit anybody. Right. I've played. You know, I'm, I'm not great at soccer. But, but you know how to kick I, it. I think everybody underneath the 40 grew up playing soccer. I didn't. He grew up in England playing soccer, bro. That's a that's a different <laughs> thing. You I'm kidding wrong. me? <laughs> so anyway, USC. Well, uh, first how's, of all, how's USC's punter? First of all, I'm gonna look up I would who like the USC to recognize Robert Metz. Okay, the kicker for Dixie, the punter for Dixie State. <laughs> um, Robert, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. You and your 36.7 yard average this season. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I do, um, Mr. Metz. Who? Wait, let, wait, he, let, let, I'm gonna guess. All right. First, you have to say if it's in Utah or not. Yep. Because, I mean, because if he's from Vegas, it's like uh, Cim- Cimarron High School. I okay. Think. He's not from Vegas. Or he's not from Utah, oh, see, unfortunately. That, that makes it really. California. Is he from yeah. Vegas? No, uh, no, he's not. He's actually from Arizona. However, would you like to guess his favorite food? Cafe Rio. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> in, in fairness to Robert Metz, he's actually listed as a defensive back. On their roster. However, he's their leading punter. We have to find this guy on Twitter and, Favorite at, movie. and at, at him. Favorite movie. Die Hard 2. Space Jam. <laughs> oh, dude. This guy this needs to be cool. on the podcast. Cool. He Favorite, likes pizza. He's cooler than me. He may not be a better punter than me, but he's Favorite TV me. show. <laughs> Rachel Ray. What? This Favorite band. Awesome. Wait. Favorite band. Oh. Blue Oyster Cult. No. No. Metallica. Uh, according player. to his bio, he chose Dixie State because the city of St. George is beautiful and seemed very inviting. Biggest influence is Sean Taylor and Brian Dawkins. Wow. So he's a safety turned punter. Yes. I assume. A- again, or, or, he's listed as a versa. defensive back. A six foot four, two hundred ten pound defensive back. Transitioning to USC's punter. Right. He's Chris Alvarado. Where's he from? Lake Charles, Louisiana. Oh, he knows. So he must have been a hell of a punter to, to go to get recruited out of Lake Charles to go to USC. Agreed. Well, Utah's is from Australia. Yeah, Boom. but I mean. Okay. You know, USC means business if they're like, hey, we got to send our recruiter to, to Lake Charles <laughs> to find a punter. You know what I mean? All right. Like, what, what, what other information do you have about USC's punter? Um, I'm, I'm still working on it. I went, to, I went to a bad website that doesn't give really good information. But let's have, let's have Matt talk about USC while I find information on Chris Alvarado. Unless, unless you – I mean, unless no, you I were going to – Well, I was going to say is that since joining the Pac-12 that we uh, – we, the collective we on this one – Proverbial. The 1910s, they had a good rundown. They were 1910s. Over the 1910s, they played four times, and uh, Utah bested them twice. And uh, and obviously, we won the uh, Utah won in Las Vegas Bowl. Is this, you know, uh, uh, Craig, not Craig Kirkpatrick, yeah, uh, Craig Kirkpatrick, better. Uh, the good column that he wrote, where he was talking about like, the novelty of Utah being in the Pac-12 is sort of over. Is this kind of a breakout game for him? It could be. I mean, it, it's it's a game that would get him the ball eligibility. God, I have trouble in seven that. games, which no one saw happening. No one saw that happening. 
Yeah, the last time they beat USC was in the Vegas Bowl in 2001. And Carson prior Palmer. To that, the time before that was 1916. Uh, so. Oh, I said they were good in the 1910s. <laughs> you did. I'm just saying. You're right. You did. So, obviously – Everyone, and by everyone, I don't mean we or us or Utah. I mean everyone is wondering why the move back to Travis Wilson, right? Right. Because I have no idea. Right. Because I'm not a punter. Well, what's the argument for Kendall Thompson at this point, right. though, too, right? I mean, it's I don't, lesser two evils right now based on the available evidence. I think a lot of people are of the mind that Devontae Booker was so successful in the second half against Oregon State because they brought Travis in and that that made him respect the throw game respect the throw game yeah uh but I don't know until Utah starts catching some passes deep downfield I don't know that it matters which one which guy's quarterback and both Kendall and Travis it is fair to say if they had the type of performance that they expected from their receivers would have had 50 or so more yards in the last few games and, a, and a t- another touchdown or two in the last few games. And you add that, and they're, they're where they need, they need to be. If they can be sort of average uh, passing team that doesn't turn the ball over, that's, that's pretty good for the, what else they've got. I mean, it, but the offense at this point has to be one of the most easiest to scout in the Pac-12, right? Yeah, yeah. I, Just I, put eight or nine in the box. Oh, well, it was, it was kind of hilarious, you know, when they went went back to Booker on fourth down after running four, first through third down at the end of regulation right. against Oregon State, I mean the the odds of them converting with Booker running into a pile of ten guys felt so much higher than the odds of completing a wide open pass if you roll Wilson out that it was a no-brainer. I don't think anyone on the field thought right. Whittingham would try that. And he scored on that and, play, and right? Booker scored. Right. He, it's working for him uh, no matter how outmanned he is. But isn't this – I mean, I I read your guys' stories and read Kyle Goon's expert tweets, but isn't the USC D-line one of the better D-lines that they'll face yeah, this year? Yeah, USC is really good. You know, and their depth remains sort of a concern uh, because of their scholarship restrictions thanks to uh, – Reggie Bush still. <laughs> I'm not um, obviously I'm not really good at the stats part of this analysis thing, and I do like this quote by Julius in the uh, Here's a quote today that really broke out. What was it like watching a couple overtime games? You know, and, and on deadline. Uh, that's that's <laughs> part as a reporter knows that you have to make deadline, and on top of that, there is a part where like I know you're being objective with it because that's Twitter, but it, it, the fact that that distorts strategy isn't for you guys. No, I I, I just root for the game to end. Like if you if you ask any reporter what who they're rooting for, they're rooting for one team to win ninety to zero. Yeah. If 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 tonight's RSL games finishes ninety to zero, I'll well, I mean that might take a long time, but nine to zero makes it so easy because well, I mean, you have your story pretty much written. And these guys get these kicks are insanely late this year for the Pac twelve. Yeah. So they're kicking at eight, eight fifteen. Next week's game in, in Tempe will be nine. And our deadline here, I mean I will say I'd like to. I mean, going the idea of going to a bowl game is is cool. I if I had a choice between if if not everything else was out of my control, but somehow I could decide who wins, uh, you know, it'd probably be more fun to cover a team that's uh, bowl bound and and competing for a Pac-12 South title than yeah. to cover a team where every week the story is, oh, the pressure's on the coaching staff. You know, that it gets a little old. Seat's hot. It's a hot seat. Yeah. A, the really, seat is does, warming. No, yeah, writing. absolutely. But, uh, but, th- but honestly, if, if the roles had been reversed, like against USC 
and Andy Phillips was trying that 50-yard field goal, or sorry, UCLA, and Andy Phillips was trying that 50-yard field goal, I can't, can't honestly say I'd have been rooting for him to make it. That would have meant rewriting my whole story for the third or fourth time. And, and what people don't understand is it's not, it's not so much that it's hard to rewrite the story. I mean, I, after all the games, I'm still up for two or three hours, four or five hours working on stories. It's not the total amount of time that we work. It's just the fact that I have to, with these 8 o'clock starts, send that story the second the game is over. And, and you divide into what time? Whatever the, whenever yeah, the game it, is over. When the, the when the zero, 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 zero. So if everything changes in an overtime or with a missed field goal or something at the end, I have to then rejigger all of it so that it all makes sense. In for like two or three minutes. And you have to write – and what people don't understand is we're still writing coherently. We're asked to write coherently. Like Matt's not in Corvallis saying Devontae Booker, comma – touchdown Travis touchdown two 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 three yards four five six it's like you have to make these things coherent to to a fill print but also to tell the reader what happened because believe it or not there probably are people who still grab the newspaper and say I wonder what happened in Corvallis last night well yeah well you go to bed though yeah I mean, absolutely. That, that yeah that's thing very on true. that game that's very true I mean listening to the radio broadcast I was driving home from from somewhere and I mean there were 10 minutes left and it was a Utah broadcast your broadcast, Benny, uh, the Utes broadcast. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was doom and gloom. This game's over, and they don't have a chance. And, you know, you hear that, you get home, and you got to work the next day. You're like, man, I'm going to bed. You wake up, you're, wait, what? Double overtime, Utah won, you know. Well, another thing is, so, like, Kimroni was with me at UCLA, so he knows this. They ask for you to go down early before the game ends to go get quotes. Ten minutes. <laughs> ten minutes early at the Rose Bowl. And ten wow. minutes at a college football game could be 45 minutes. And so yeah. if you're there, if you have to be there and hit send at the end of the game, which we usually have to have at least one person do, then 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 what happens is you hit send and you just start bull- bullying your way through crowds of thousands of people. Of families. To you to have to, like, yeah. hit ch- – Hey, like kid, ex- get out of the way. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> I, I, it, good. it happens at – it happens <laughs> It happens to me at RSL games all the time where I have to file and start running down the staircase where all the fans are filing out, and they give – man, the looks that I get, they're like, this <laughs> is not obeying the rules. And excuse me, like, I need to get by. And it's unfortunate, but you have to be that person. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's uh, that's helpful. You know, they've got it's a two by week season, which is the way sort of a, a leap year type deal where every once in a while it works out that way. So they're pretty well rested, but now now it's every week, and now it's uh, when the season or when, when the it schedule was five gets the hardest. straight ranked opponents, and, and now Stanford is unranked, but it's that's still Stanford. And you're at Stanford. And at Stanford, so they have five straight really tough games. They have six games in six weeks. And, uh, you know, they're, they're rested, but they do have a couple of nagging injuries to some key players. Yeah. Uh, what do, you, do you have a prediction on the game, or what do you see? What are, what are some of the key 90 to 0. I, 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 avoid, I avoid predicting. I, I uh, we're not playing predictions like scores, but, like, what are the things, like, when I'm watching it on TV that I should be looking for? Like, uh, should I be looking for secondary? Should I be watching the uh, offensive line? Throw like, game. The, the obvious sort of key that, that stands out for Utah is if they can – pass the ball against USC's defense, which is fairly susceptible to that, 
then then they should be successful. But if they can't, and USC can load the box, they USC has talent that Utah hasn't seen this year. And on offense, they're going to be a bigger challenge than than Utah has seen. Probably, I, I'd yeah. say they're probably they're, they're more talented than, than UCLA, UCLA and yeah. Washington State. Yeah, easily. Well, let me ask you this question because uh, we have my limited role here of covering things has been uh, soccer for girls' soccer and fall season. And, uh, uh, you've covered more than just girls' soccer. For, uh, this oh, this year, this semester, yeah. Exclusively girls' soccer. Right. Uh, if we're doing the preview for the state championship for girls, I was asked to kind of like give a prediction of where you think the championship's going to go for each one of the divisions. And Rio Tinto Stadium. Usually. <laughs> we'll I said that Region 6 with teams like Clearfield, uh, Highland, West, uh, East. Uh, East, pardon me, East, and Woods Cross is that between those four teams there, you could probably put together an all-star of another some of the best players in the state. You know, with respect to skyline and different levels of boards, you know. But anyway, uh, as it turns out, in the first round, three of the four teams get eliminated, and then Clearfield uh, loses in uh, like shootouts against Hippolytus, who will be advancing to the NCAA to play Skyline. Play Skyline for the <laughs> but uh, when we do these predictions, uh, people online on the digital side can be very rude. And That's why you don't do predictions, man. <laughs> people, are, you ask you ask us for predictions, we're not going to open ourselves up to someone saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. We get I enough of that already. To be fair, none of us do. Right, and right. at and your very best, you just yeah, at your very best, you usually fix a TV. Yeah. So people can read it, you know, a, a number of ways. They can say, "Oh, you're a fan of the opposing team if you pick them to win," or "You're a homer if you pick the home team to win," or maybe they don't think either of those things, but they think that you're now beholden to that prediction. And that just the fact that you made the prediction means that you're rooting for that to happen. Uh, yeah, I I just want every game to be a 90-0 blowout, like Chris said. But uh, not soccer. And, and to be able to file at halftime. What? Well, I, I don't know, man. To, I, and, th- and what the crazy thing is that the only thing people want these days is opinion. Because, I mean, uh, for some reason, people think I know what I'm talking about. And a lot of people who cover sports really believe they think they know what they're talking about. And some do, sure. And that's why someone like, who's great at opinion? Tony Jones. Yeah. Because Tony, Tony knows a lot, A, and B, he has an opinion, and people like it. Mm-hmm. So for, for some for s- people who try to, you know, veer away from, you know, thinking Travis Wilson's going to be a Heisman candidate or Devontae Booker is going to be a mix of LaDainian Tomlinson and Barry Sanders. Like, people throw this stuff out, and people are like, wow, I really appreciate your insight. It's like, well, for me, people ask me questions every day that I write stories about that are answered in tweets or or in in actual stories and so i think a people don't don't care about objective reporting as much as they do opinion these days and i think that's just kind of the nature of the beast well it's so kind of what we're i mean it's weird to bring this back to what kevin was busting my chops over it's like when i said that like the blue is utah it's sort of like they do think the readership uh thinks that you are you know boosters for news probably a lot of them yeah yeah Yeah. sure well here's and here's another thing that people Here's another thing that people don't understand is that when your team is ranked 19th in the country, that means they're good. Yeah. 
when Real Salt Lake makes the playoffs for a seventh straight year, that means they're good. So obviously you're not going to go out and say like, wow, Utah's really struggled, you know, having 3.2 penalties a game. That's, you know, that's going to hamper them from winning another game. You're not going to go actively seeking for, for things teams necessarily need to fix. If it's an increasing storyline, like Utah not having a quarterback, a consistent quarterback, sure. But I, I think people just don't realize that when you're covering a team that's good, more than more likely than not, when they're winning games, you're going to write about the fact that they're winning games or finding different ways to win games. When you're when you're covering a team that's going two and eight, you're going to write stories about what that they're struggling to find ways to win games. I usually identify sort of a key story, which in that game is probably that the offense, uh, whether it's Travis Wilson or Kendall Thompson, is uh, is Devontae Booker's offense, and that had sort of that was probably the key storyline. Then you usually uh, go from that to the key play, and then you kind of work backward in chronological order. Usually as Inverted little pyramid. as you can. <laughs> well, usually as little as you can. Because I, I think that people don't want to read uh, recaps that way anymore. And they, there's a good argument to be made that recaps don't have near the value that they once did. Uh, in a lot of ways, they're just sort of a placeholder for the photos and the videos and the, the, the and really for the f- And really for the follow-up. And really for the follow-up story where you have time to really digest right. what happened. Right. So if you're talking about a particular game where uh, such and such player scored that – Well, it's it, it's just more that you don't want to dig too deep onto anything because you'll have your sidebar angles too. So yeah. you've got two or three things that, that you're going to write about specifically in addition to your game report. You don't want to be repetitive too. You don't want to be repetitive. And then you want to save some stuff for, for follow story because you've got to have something in the paper every day. This is this is getting way too inside baseball. Yeah. Uh, the, anyway, long story short, I think uh, the, the, the gamer is, is sort of a formulaic thing. And usually you kind of identify the key storylines. That's the, that's the focus of the gamer, but you don't dig too deep because it's going to be a key storyline for days to come. Is, I mean, are we going to, are we going to talk about like, um, the world series? I'm just kidding. No, you're not. I, but here I, Chris Alvarado, punter for USC, redshirt junior from Lake Charles, uh, Louisiana personal he is a policy planning and development major at usc that's it that's chris does not mess around he his bio is seven words long his average his average last year rounded out at about 43 i mean no tom hackett but that's good it's interesting that you bring up a punter because the best punting team is utah in the pac-12 right best second best is colorado would you care to guess where the punter for colorado was born Salt Lake City. Cork, Ireland. Interestingly enough, a young Dara, that's his first name, uh, O'Neill, his family came to the United States when he was three. Um, uh, He's a punter, as I said. This year, uh, he's averaging, he's second best in Colorado, not just uh, Dara. Colorado is second best in the Pac-12 behind the Utes, you know, you got to give this guy a little bit of credit. He's averaging 45.46 yards per punt. 
Uh, 35 punts this season. Long is 62. He's no Tom Hackett. 16 inside the 20. Um, his dad... Did did you know that his dad played at Dixie High School? Is <laughs> owner and proprietor of Boulder's popular restaurant Connor O'Neill's, located on Thirteenth Street, Dude, just off Boulder's famous. We're going way. We're Mall. going too far down a rabbit hole. Hey, well, let me let me, just, let me quickly let me quickly add. Who's the uh, worst puncher in the Pac-12? So, so uh, also worth noting Kyle Goon. that uh, Snow College had a Australian punter who transferred to New Mexico State, and Weber State has an Australian punter. And I think it's Hawaii who has 28-year-old senior Scott Harding, who's not only a punter, but is actually a hell of a football player at a lot of other positions. He, he's pretty, pretty oh, interesting player. Another, uh, another former Australian rules guy. I don't think he's quite the punter that Hackett is, but you can line him up at, like, slot receiver, and uh, he's, he's a threat. A lot like our boy Robert Metz at Dixie <laughs> State, the yeah. defensive back. Right. Robert, thanks. Thanks again. Yeah, I thanks again for listening, Robert. <laughs> I believe it goes by. I believe it goes by Rob. To be fair, <laughs> Rob Metz. Not Bobby Metz. Robbie. He seems like a Robbie. Robbie. R O B B Y, not I E. No. You I watched the fourth quarter. What'd you think? Uh, Fajardo looked like Kaepernick. Yeah. I've never. I haven't seen him play that much, but he's really fast and he's huge. I didn't know that he was that like big. Yeah, he's a big guy. And yeah, I mean, it was you know Wolfpack. Howling, howling in Provo, probably got probably got weird in Provo celebrating that victory. Oh, that was fun watching at the club because the uh, it wasn't it wasn't I even though I had my Nevada shirt on it was uh, it was not pro Nevada it was anti BYU. Uh oh. Victory all for the Cougars, you know, just you could see that and it was it was a heck of a comeback. I was really excited. About so for any BYU listeners, Sorry. we'll t- we'll try to get you next week. Yeah. Uh, quick question, you, uh, CK, you know what Chivas means? Uh, uh, yeah, they play in MLS. They play RSL tonight. <laughs> Chivas USA. Yeah, what's the, the name Chivas stand for? Um, uh, not no, good, I, right? No idea. Goats. Oh yeah, the goats. Yeah. So is this the goat? The USA's goat team? Well, they're 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 rumored to be dissolved and and repurposed in the next few years. So. Technically, yeah, but they're <laughs> not greatest but of all time. Yeah, but they're and they're owned by Ch- Chivas de Guadalajara, of who's like this Mexican, you know, huge club. It was kind of their their minor league team through through MLS, which is actually kind of cool. If, but if it Real Salt Lake were actually owned by Real Madrid, right. that would be cool. Yeah, but just to copy them is, sorry, listeners, not very cool. <sighs> Chris, Chris's size says it all. He he won't go on the record here, but uh, Salty owns the Roku. Uh, Rojia Blancos? Rojillo. Rojillo Blancos. Uh, World Series. You must be just coming out of your skin as a pride of each day watching the All right. One, my grandparents had season tickets in at Seal Stadium in like the 50s. My mom grew up near San Francisco, so – I know, you know, when you're, like, locale, you have to be an East Bay A's fan or with Kevin, he grew up the south side or the east side or whatever side the White Sox aren't on, so he's a Cubs fan. Um, You know I grew up in Chicago, right? Whatever. You went to school in Chicago, so it's the same thing. Okay, I'm just making sure. I'm not – I don't know. Baseball is the only thing I really care about subjectively. So the last – 
Yeah, it was it was much easier than the typical Giants game where they go down like five nothing and then somehow score six runs without even getting a base hit and then winning a game. So it was I mean it was great, you know, to go up seven to go up a touchdown in the World Series. And you know, I kinda get tired of the whole like America's darling angle. Like everyone's you know, the Royals haven't won in twenty nine years. Or it's like I don't care. I'm a Giants fan. I hope they don't win for another ninety years. <laughs> Do they deserve to win? Does Kansas City, yeah, it's like population-wise, do they deserve, yeah, do they a, deserve a baseball title every 29 years? Their contribution to the world of barbecue does deserve here's, a title. Here's some, here's some opinion. Anytime the Royals are in the World Series not playing the Giants, they might deserve to win more than the National League team. They're, no, no, not if they're playing the Cubs. Not, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's the only thing. Oh, the Giants? No, not the Giants. Oh. Like, no oh. Title. Well, I mean, do they – I mean, what's your point? Well, my point being with this is I think the Giants is like a juggernaut. That's what we no. Which is absurd, A, because everyone – you know, the Giants are like now a bandwagon team that people hate because they've won a lot lately. But if you really pay attention, the Giants aren't a th- good baseball team. They, like, manage well. You have two of your hitters that are just known as – they're like bad pitching. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Kung Fu Panda. The Giants, the Giants are... Swing on pitches that you were taught in high school, never swing. Right. Yeah. Well, if it bounces, it doesn't matter for the Panda. I, I'm just saying that they're not like the Yankees or the Red Sox where they had, like, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, you know, Dustin Pedroia or the Yankees with Jeter and all uh, those Posey's guys. Posey's a big name. Posey's though. a big Posey's name, but he's, like... He's a catcher. They and him, right? Yeah, they Jay, and he's homegrown player. Like, I think he's he's an amazing player. Don't get me wrong, but he's not like uh, he's not in the home run derby, and he's you know what I mean. He's not Yasiel Puig or any of you know these these ESPN.com you know people. He doesn't. He's not on the front page of ESPN or the lead story on ESPN for. Sure. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean he's and he looks like he's twelve. So obviously, oh, I mean that's. So I'm just saying that the Giants are for me they're they're an enjoyable team to watch because I never expect them to win a game because I've watched them enough that it's an uh, that it's an amazing feat that they ever win a game. There was a – I don't know how you guys followed the postseason, but they've won postseason games, like, by scoring three or four runs with, like, two or three hits by just, like, walking or getting hit yeah. and then, like, stealing bases. Like, it's it's just the most absurd way to play a baseball game. Exactly. But it, but, but, it, but it works. And the fact that, A, Tim Lincecum hasn't even pitched, who, who was the sexiest, you know, quote-unquote giant for the last – yeah, exactly. So you have no Tim Linscombe. Matt Kane, who's been the best play- pitcher on that team for the last seven years, is out for the season. Angel Pagan, who's their leadoff hitter, was lost for the season. So it's, it's just all these random dudes who, like, Giants fans over the course of the last three or four years were like, this guy sucks. He doesn't deserve to be on this team. And now you have, like, Gregor Blanco going three for three in a World Series and so making – so it's just like so – I don't know. If, I don't even know if it's a rebuild. They just take players who played like crap at other teams and then just plug them in, and somehow they hit like two thirty three, and then you get to the postseason and they hit four fifty. So I, I just have no idea how it works, but it works for me because I'm a Giants. You know, we talked about this on what they say too in June. It's 
like that is a beautiful hitter's park. Right? But but no one hits home runs. It's too big. Barry's the, Barry Bonds was the only guy who hit home runs consistently in that. I mean, the, the, I think Hunter Pence had the most home runs on that team, and he had like 21 home runs. But it's not even small ball that they play. They, it's like they don't even ugly mean – yeah, it's like ugly ball. The, the Royals play small ball. The Royals, you know, they bunt, they, they steal. The Giants just like with two outs will get a guy hit by a pitch. Then the next pitch will be a wild pitch. Then you'll move the second – then the then another ground guy will get hit. Out. Then a, yeah, then a ground ball out, and then you'll have a guy on third, and then you'll hit a sacrifice fly, and they'll somehow win one to zero. That's that's just that's just and it, and two balls and a wild pitch. <laughs> and this is why people don't like baseball is because you spend three and a half hours watching a game like that. But I like it because it's almost like Piper and I were talking. You know, like soccer can be a background sport where you can be doing something else and have it going on. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, like, if you're watching, if you're watching Champions League, you could, you know, look up. Oh, it's the 35th minute. You could do some work and look up. It's the 55th minute, and you might have missed a goal, but you watch the replay because it's on. And then you have another 35 minutes to watch. Baseball is the same thing. You could look up in the third inning and see zero zero, maybe see a home run and wa- look up in the sixth and it's one zero. Yeah, I mean, you win eight games undefeated, in a row. Yeah, yeah undefeated. Yeah. Really neat, but it was uh, you don't going back to this like the intangibles like the crowd being fake and that like KC was dead in the third inning. Like that, those fans almost collectively just said, "We'll give it. We have to give him the next up." Yeah. Like, I well, I think because bump. Well, you have Bumgarner on the on the bump who's he's. I was I follow a bunch of Giants writers on Twitter who obviously follow that team and they said they've never seen him throw a 65 mile an hour curveball, so maybe he's just saw something in the scouting report. But we've also gone down the Giants rabbit hole for probably seven minutes too long. When, when they showed the the slow motion of that oh pitch, yeah. the the way that his arm moves, it is no wonder why pitchers throw out their arms. I, I mean, the torque on. His elbow and that's his absurd. Oh. People talk about football pitchers. I mean, that's saved for the next week's podcast. Just what they do to their arms, like yeah. You when you watch it in slow mo and you see that elbow, like pretty much go one eighty and come back, right. and they do that for like hundred and six pitches. It's crazy too that nobody really throws much faster than hundred miles an hour. Yeah, it's like it, physically wha- impossible, yeah. and it's not. It has nothing to do with strength. There's obviously guys who are stronger than those guys who throw hundred miles an hour. It has something to do with strength, but. You get to a point where it's just the limitations on your your ligaments and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, it looks like a bunch of dead bodies snapping the bones off. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable what it looks like. It's Gumby. It's very it's it's very it's very Gumby. Side note: I was at Madison Bumgarner's major league debut. I went with my cousin that night. It was 2009, I believe. Linscombe was supposed to pitch against the Rockies. He uh, tweaked his back, and he went on the DL. They called up Bumgarner, and I think he went like five innings that night. I think he gave up like five runs, too, in his debut. Great ballpark. Great ballpark. Garlic fries. Great selection of beer. Great selection of – View through the stands anywhere in the place is fantastic. Yeah, it's great.
really deep like right. you know it's, it's so intimate and small and I don't know it's, it's tight it's, it's just well done well and it's I mean you're on the water so there's a sense of like oh there's the water Madison Bumgarner's debut, September 8th, 2009, against Benny's Benny's Padres. Oh, the Padres, okay. Yes. Uh, Old Madison, he only managed to go five and a third. Gave it five hits, two runs, both earned. One walk, four strikeouts. Two homers. Uh, They won. uh, Gregerson with the uh, Gregerson with the win in relief. Heath Bell with the save. Heath Bell. Heath Bell. He fell off the face of the earth. Who, who uh, homered against Bumgarner? In that remember game? how he was going to be so good? Uh, let's see. Who homered in that ball game? Chase Headley, uh, probably. Headley did, yes. And uh, Kevin Kuzminoff. Kuzminoff. I was at – I caught a home run ball that Brian Giles hit at AT&T Park. Uh, in like 2006 or seven. Did you throw it back? Oh, yeah. Nice. You always throw it back. Oh uh, yeah! I didn't. Like, I didn't catch it. It f- it fell in my general direction, and I grabbed it. So I apologize. We're in in for the sake of clarification. Right. Accuracy. Heath Bell. Oh, absolutely. That's why <laughs> baseball is absurd. Matthew Stafford's pretty athletic. Yeah, he's. I, I would not include him in the chubby club. He's got, he's got a little girth in the middle. No, uh, no way. There, there are significantly chubbier quarterbacks. Uh, but which out there? What's that? Nothing. Jared Lorenzo. Jay Cutler. No. No. Who is it? You're, you've eliminated everybody except Lo- Jared Lorenzo. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jared Lorenzo. Um, Although it is true, though, that, like, Jay Cutler was a, a great point guard at one point. It, we do tend to underestimate, I think, what kind of athletes quarterbacks are. Oh, yeah. Matthew Stafford has kind of a pudgy face, but he probably can outrun – well, he definitely can outrun all of us. Yeah. I'm a chubby guy. I could probably outrun you. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that? I, how, where does that energy equate? I'm, I'm not doubting that. I'm a fat guy. I think we should go downstairs and uh, have a road race. I'm not saying because he's not fat he can outrun us. I'm saying he's well, so so he's are a you great cla- athlete. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a great athlete. I'm just saying I'm a better punter than Robert Metz is probably. <laughs> the fact that we didn't talk about Stone Cold once in this podcast that went like 56 minutes or whatever it is now. By the way, sorry Robert Metz. He's I he's 6'4" 210 and I'm thinking about this. He's he's, yeah. he's a state champion triple jumper. Whoa. He's he's a runner up in the long jump. At 6'4", 210, that's a pretty impressive athlete. Robert Metz, I'm sure you're a better punter than me. Maybe not if I'd started at five or six years old, like like Kamran uh, is going to do with his little one. one day. Well, basically, but his kid has to hang out with Benny's kid because Benny's kid is going to be the long snapper, and they can work together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. 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 <laughs> 450. So, do you think? Uh, so, are you planning to beat Piper in a distance race, or are we going with the I'm sprint? I'm not racing him. I know he'll. I'll concede it. I don't oh. have any desire to to so beat him. What, what I want is I want to taste the Tony Jones again because I used to play on a basketball team, and I know I bring this up all the time, but I got kicked off the team. They replaced me with Tony Jones. I want to go one on one with Tony. In basketball or running? You know what? Okay. Basketball's got enough running. I'd, I'd like. I'd like. To, I, I'd like to just try to play defense on Tony. 
because Tony's always like, you know, I just went to 24, went 21 and 0, scored like 900 three pointers, and I just I just like to try to play defense I've on Tony. I gotta see the tape of Tony. <laughs> I've gotta see how Tony is playing with Johnny Bryant and Bryant Markson. Oh yeah. And all these Utah greats and ex Jazz guys. And, and I just got. I mean, he apparently is holding his own. I don't think it's. I don't think it's BS. No, Tony played in college, true. man. No, I, false, false were up and down. But I've got. I've got to see it. I think I'm uh, the. What was his name? I'm the Bruce Bowen. I'm just the guy that would just try really hard defensively and just foul out. I'm the George Mirasan, the guy who has no business being on the court. Who is in? Who is in my giant with Billy Crystal? I'm, the, I'm also the six-foot Bruce Bowen. <laughs> I we should just do a podcast about 80s and 90s movies references because I could we could get Tremors. by doing that. Maybe Tremors. we'll get Robert Metz to be our guest that day. I watched Tremors uh, 2 the other night, the one when they're in Mexico yeah, with Fred Ward. But not as good as Tremors 3 when they start flying. Tremors 4 is when it's uh, – yeah, back in time it's in the Old West. Yeah, except so there's – no one hits 88 miles per hour in that movie. Well, speaking of hitting 88 miles an hour, I think we've hit 88 <laughs> miles in this podcast. So let's <laughs> nice. go back into a day. Um, we have the new Twitter handle. Kevin, what is it again? You know, Benny. Don't be silly. Trib Prep Sports. Uh, <laughs> that isn't it. It's Trib Sports Radio. Uh, whatever. Trib Sports Radio. All one word. None. Uh, well, I like the fact it doesn't look like a 70s variety show anymore. <laughs> it looks really good. Unlike the podcast. Yes, the podcast. Oh, they only had podcasts back in the 70s. Uh, Chris Camrani, uh, you'll be coming to our show, and I'm sure you'll be... Uh, I'll just be around being useless. Yeah. Matt Piper, we'll see you at Rio Tinto. I'm sorry, at Rio Tinto for Vice Excellence on Saturday. Hopefully Rio Tinto, too. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Wendell Morris, I'm Ben Rascal. Thanks for listening to the show. Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trib Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trib Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.